and welcome to Babbleheads. I am your co-host, Jesse HS. And I'm Eric Tyler. And uh, we have a, a very special guest. Uh, you may have heard his voice on the Heart Guy Media Podcast, which I also host. And uh, Eric and I are warmly welcoming Mr. Sean Henderson to the podcast today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How's it going? And we are going to be doing uh, his Mount Rushmore of wrestling uh, because Sean is also a big wrestling fan. And we're going to dive into wrestling uh, at the, the top of the show or at the, the middle of the show. But at the top of the show, we are going to cover, as always, our active seasons, which are the NFL and the NBA. Uh, no NHL news, at least on my end, because I've just not been watching the season, but, uh, we'll touch on that if we need to. Uh, but obviously the most active and, uh, newsworthy seasons of the, uh, of activity being the NFL and the NBA, uh, let's dive right into the NFL as we are all NFL fans, Sean, unfortunately being a Patriots fan and, and five rings, five rings cheated on only four of them. Uh, fake news. Uh, so, uh, and, uh, so six yeah, rings. I just want to say six rings. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, interesting, uh, interesting NFL season as we, uh, we are now on Saturday, the last Saturday of the year rolling into the last regular season games weekend, uh, tomorrow, Sunday. So a lot of, uh, fates being decided tomorrow and the playoff picture will, uh, be unclouded and, uh, clear and, uh, I mean, we'll dive in on uh, your end, Eric. Uh, that that Steelers uh, loss uh, last week was a, a tough one, but they still got a chance to to make the playoffs with the Ra- with a Ravens loss and a win on their end. Uh, how are you feeling about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's uh, obviously tough to be super confident since uh, the Ravens have been having such a good uh, end of the year this year. But um, there is a chance the AFC is pretty much. Set other than that, I mean, so where the Steelers would need to beat the Bengals and the Ravens would have to lose to the Browns, which could happen. But uh, like I said, I'm kind of going into it just knowing that it's a, it's going to be a, a tough uh, climb up the hill, but it could happen. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be, I mean, and it's something we got to address, especially with talking about that game, is the uh, – the the officiating in, in some of these NFL games this season it, it just seems it's kind of reaching a, a a fever pitch with what we're dealing with here with some of this officiating being very uh, inconsistent at best. Uh, I mean, what are your guys' thoughts on that? We've seen some pretty uh, uh, off kilter uh, officiating that have resulted in uh, some games going uh, opposite ways and. In where in other instances they would have went the other way had some of these calls that are questionable for sure uh, hadn't been uh, you know called issued. Uh, so what are our uh, what are you guys feeling about the NFL officials this year? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll build on. Yeah, no, I mean it, you're right. Like I, th- I think the term is just like inconsistency. Like. Um... I, I just think that across the board throughout this whole season, uh, you know, there's there's different officiating crews in the NFL. It's not like um, like each guy each, there's a head you know a head judge and then he has his crew, and that's who does each game. Um, you know, so I think like there's inc- inconsistencies throughout the entire all the crews of the of the NFL officiating uh, officials, and I think it's really frustrating. 
when you see something called in one game that's not called in another game or these ticky-tack calls that are called in some games, I mean, in, in some instances, it's really affecting the outcomes of these games, and that cannot happen. It, it can't be put into the, the hands of the referees. And something definitely needs to be done. I, I don't know what needs to be done um, because they, they're trying. But, you know, like uh, it was it really affected the Cowboys-Eagles overtime game recently. Uh, where oh, yeah. That. And then, like, um, you know, just like obviously it's fresh in my mind, the Steelers Saints game, they called Joe Hayden of the Steelers for a pass interference call in the end zone. That might have been one of the worst pass interference, pass interference calls, sorry, that I've ever seen in my entire life. And that, you know, being in the end zone, they put the ball on the one yard line, and then literally the next play, the Saints score. Now, I'm not saying that directly affected the outcome of the game, but. You know, that's a touchdown right there that who knows what would have happened if that call wasn't – if they did make that awful call. So Yeah, exactly. It's just um, – it's You can't – and you hit, you hit the nail right on the head by saying you cannot – excuse me. You cannot leave it in the hands of the judges because when you do, you're risking that inconsistency in play calling uh, – or not play calling, but, uh, you know, this officiating. You're leaving it in the hands of – uh, you know, officials that have proven to be inconsistent. So are it it really relies on the team to get the job done the first time, you know, or, you know, when the points are being left on the board with these missed field goals and we've even seen missed extra points this year. I mean, you can't really leave that uh, margin for error, especially with this inconsistent officiating. Yeah, 100%. I just think it's um... – it's just unfortunate um, that that has come to this, but I think also that there's so much pressure put on the officials too. Like, I actually, a part of me feels bad for them because there's so much pressure on them that you know some guys are just going to call everything, some guys are not going to call anything. It's like um, they, you know, they say that there's there's a there's a penalty on every play, which there probably is, honestly. But you have to. You have to find a happy medium of what's going to get called and what's not going to get called. You know what I mean? Like, there's probably honestly holding on every single play, but it's like some of it's blatant and some of it's not blatant. So, like I said, it's a consistency thing, and, and hopefully they can get on the same page. But some of the calls that I've seen this year and definitely last year have been atrocious. Um, the stuff with the quarterbacks is really tough, like with the – you know, you get a lot of the personal fouls or roughing the passer calls. Like, who knows? Like, you really have a small window of where you can hit a quarterback right now. You can't hit him too low. You can't hit him too high. Um, and that's been a consistency thing of, of, of uh, making the right calls with that. So, basically, like, the NFL and Roger, the Roger Goodell era of the NFL, they're trying to – I mean, you're protecting the quarterback. You're protect, Like, all the offensive players are protected. So that's why you're seeing like these school, like it's becoming a, a, a highly offensive, like a really offensive league is because the, the penalties and stuff, you can't touch a quarterback, you can't touch a receiver, you know what I mean? So it's just, um, they have to find like a happy medium and they have to find consistency with it and they can't let it affect the games. The way where, it has been for sure. Yeah, exactly. So I'm long winded with that. I'm sorry. Anybody wants to <laughs> say something besides shit, uh, that would be cool. One thing I also noticed, too, with the, the roughing the passer, sometimes they don't even call, like, if a younger quarterback gets hit. Like, I know if, like, if a Brady or a Rodgers gets hit, they throw the fucking flag in seconds. 
But like I say, like if Josh Allen got, you know, like a late hit, they don't call that shit sometimes too, which I've noticed this year. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, if 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 anybody would say that there's not favoritism in the NFL, they're definitely wrong. Like the NFL has their players that they love, and and most of them are the the Drew Brees, the the Tom Brady's, the Aaron Rodgers of the world. I mean, that's just a sad fact. So when it comes down to it, I think. It's a business too, and pe- and the, and some people look at it like that, and uh, I think there is a little bit of favoritism. So, so uh, I guess moving on from the officiating, uh, or lack thereof, uh, it's uh, it's been such a wonky season, and like we said, there's a couple fates to be decided tomorrow. So it's kind of uh, it's going to be an interesting time, and 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 even though uh, my bills are playing. Uh, well, speaking of my Bills, actually, uh, you know Kyle Williams, after uh, 13 seasons with the Buffalo Bills, uh, will play his last game tomorrow against Miami. Uh, kind, of, it's really rare in all and any and all of sports for one guy to stay with the same team for as long as he has, and uh, it's it's uh, it is a uh, is it's bittersweet, but it's it is a feel good story to see a guy retire that's been with the same team his entire career. Yeah, I mean. Kyle Williams is one of those guys for me is like uh, he's just been like a staple with the Buffalo Bills. He's obviously been a great defensive player for them for a long time. Not a guy you hear too much about. Um, but, yeah, that's my biggest thing with him is he just seems like he was always like a tough-nosed player and uh, just one of the staples in the Buffalo Bills organization. So if you were a Bills fan or just a fan of football, it's cool to see. You know, it's, it's sad to see a guy like that leave, but it's cool to see someone – stay with that team for that long and uh, be so loyal. And then he really didn't have too many injuries. He was always a pretty durable guy as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, getting out, I think, at the right time, too, 35, he's still got a, a hell of a life left in him. And uh, what, a, what a career he's had. Uh, if, if nothing else, obviously, just being a lo- very loyal to the uh, to the Buffalo Bills and the Buffalo Bills as well being uh, loyal to him. So it's, it's awesome to see him uh, – Kind of hopefully go out on a high note tomorrow and hopefully get a W with the uh, kind of uh, bumpy season the Bills have had. But I think it as a Bills fan, I do have hope. Uh, I think the uh, Bills and the Browns honestly have a similar trajectory, at least for this year. You know, some inconsistencies, some bumpy roads. But I think, uh, you know, the fog's starting to clear for both of those franchises. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, I mean, the way the NFL is, especially nowadays, is like, Every team is only a few players away from from being legit. I really, I really strongly feel that. I think you see that with with these certain teams, like the Texans, who were who were just kind of mediocre for so long, and now that they have a few key players, like they're doing great. The same with the Browns. I mean, the Browns went from only winning one game in two seasons to what having six this year and a, and a tie. Um, so I really feel like those are two. Two play or two teams that are definitely on the up and up. What helps, obviously, is, is uh, any team I'm sure could vouch would be to have a legitimate quarterback. I think Josh Allen seems to me so far like one of those guys who is kind of a do it all kind of guy. Like I'm not saying he's out. He's he's maybe the, the greatest uh, quarterback ever, obviously, but he does a lot with his feet. It seems like he's one of those guys who just kind of will do whatever it is to win. Yeah, yeah, which um, is honestly. After the quarterbacks that the that Buffalo's had, uh, they, they need a guy like that at, the, at this juncture. Yeah, personally, I, I, I still stand by the fact that I think they should have hung on a tie rod, in my personal opinion, but uh, but that's just me. <laughs> that's just my opinion. So, uh, 
Sean, your your Patriots. Uh, Brady is obviously showing some uh, signs of uh, slight signs of slowing down this year. What is your what are you thinking for Brady's career? What does he have left? What's he got left in the tank? I know Eric and I have kind of discussed this, saying, uh, you know, we're looking at two max three seasons. What do you What do you feel? Um, I, I'd see like maybe one more season. You think one more? Yeah. I just want to interject really quick, and obviously Sean can pick it up. But I know I I just read an article with Brady about how he. You know, he, he said he obviously just he cares about winning, but he said that he plans to stay next year, not even just next year. He stands, he, he plans to to keep playing for the foreseeable future. So, um, in his eyes, obviously he's he's looking at a couple more years. But it is I do want to hear Sean's perspective as well because he's obviously a fan and is close with the team. So, so where do you see the future of uh, the Patriots landing, Sean? You're so I mean, do you? So he probably has a few more seasons left. You know, are you seeing a decline in his game this year as a fan? Do you think there is a noticeable decline, or do you think it's is it age catching up to him? Is it the other teams just kind of you know kind of the otter teams being uh you know on top of their shit? When you talk to the AFC, you know you're looking at a, a bunch of different teams that have legit you know, teams this year, you know, Kansas city, obviously being one of the most standout in the AFC. Uh, I mean, what, what do you chalk this season for the Patriots up for? And what do you expect from them in the playoffs? Um, no, there's definitely a, a decline, but he still has way better stats than Peyton did at the age of 39. Uh, had to get that Peyton dig in. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck Peyton. Uh, Jesus. Keep it kid friendly. Okay. Sorry. Screw Peyton. There you go. But no, there's definitely decline. But uh, no, the Patriots definitely uh, next uh, this off season definitely need to get him more weapons. I know we have you know Julian Edelman and Chris Hogan, but like still, I just think with the Patriots, like uh, a lot of the good quarterbacks make a lot of players better, and I don't think anybody, you know, when I think of two players of, of our past generation or this generation that really has done that, I, I especially think. Um, Payton and, and Brady make guys around them better. I, but I 100% agree with you on the receiver side. Uh, the Patriots need to get him get him more um, more weapons. I mean, running back-wise, you guys are good. Sonny Michelle is going to be a good running back for you guys for a while. And you got some other key pieces there. But, like, Gronk is just never going to be healthy ever again, like fully healthy. It's just never going to happen. Oh, definitely. And Ed- like, Gronk's Ed- having, like, a threat this season. Well, yeah. I mean, he's had a couple good games. But, like, he's just, you know – the, the injuries get to get to you. I mean, you're a bigger guy. It's not easy. And then you know Hogan and Edelman are, are they're not superstars, but they're they're good they're good uh, receivers. But yeah, I mean they got to get somebody in there. I mean Josh Gordon was sufficient with them. I still think they need to get better than that. So I'm I'm thinking you know you're going to see them in this next draft probably at some point or even free agency go after some sort of other threat. Uh, because I think that's what they're lacking right now. I think that they're lacking that, like, legitimate receiver threat. I mean, because they well, really we have. have Brandon Cooks, but, you know, we had to trade him to the goddamn Rams. <laughs> right, yeah. But, I don't know. I still think, when it comes to Brady, uh, they're going to be a play. They're a playoff team, and anytime they're in the playoffs, they're going to have a shot. And uh, he's got a couple years left in him. But uh, I think he definitely, he's definitely shown some signs of age, but it's not like he's – He's still like a, an upper echelon quarterback, obviously. And, and, uh, like I was telling Jesse, 
even though his stats are not great, he has the same exact stats as uh, Baker Mayfield, but he's still like one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL, way better than you know Nathan Peterman. <laughs> Why are you digging me, Nathan Peterman, right now? I don't understand. Sean just notified me that the Raiders picked up Peterman. Yeah, they did. Yeah, but the Raiders are even bigger joke than anybody else. So, listen, what would compel anyone? ever in existence and especially in the nfl to think that nathan peterman belongs on a roster uh i mean the only way i can see it is uh sometimes it's a coaching thing and i think sometimes they uh you know sometimes you see something in a guy and, and you think maybe you can mold him well, so i'm not you know so. i don't I, I never thought nathan peterman nate peterman was great by any means but it's not like he has to play in oakland so who knows you know I would 100% take Tim Tebow over him any day of the week. That can't be true. Uh, 100%. I would If someone said Nathan Peterman or Tim Tebow is your quarterback. You mean Tim Tebow then or now? Tim Tebow fucking 15 years ago. Tim Tebow in 40 years. Nathan Peterman just, there's, I mean, obviously... Is it possible that it was just very fluky and he was very just not well developed at all, and there was coach uh, a coaching mix mismatch with him? Uh, he just seems like someone who is not at all in any facet of his playing ability that's been showcased. He is not NFL material. I mean, obviously, yeah. I mean, he has a funny side to it, but now here's a one-off scenario. I feel like I could go. I am. I am 70 pounds overweight, and I am 5'8". I feel like I could get more yardage somehow. Flick, <laughs> flicking well, it out flicking it out to my friggin' center. <laughs> Something. I could get more. I could have better stats than Nathan Peterman, and I'm yeah, nothing no, happening. You can't flick to your center if you get a penalty for that. <laughs> but I, I, understand I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We're wasting our time talking about... You know, Babel has. We, we just want to let everyone know who's listening that we are no longer going to waste our time talking about Nate, Nate Peterman ever again. Yes, he will never be mentioned. On, he is banned from this podcast. <laughs> we, we just wasted like three minutes talking about Nate Peterman. Uh, I just want to touch more one more time on uh, the playoff picture tomorrow. Obviously, we we talked about the Steelers one. There is another um, scenario on the NFC side where the Eagles can get in. I'm I'm living down here in Eagles country, so everyone's been talking about that, but. If the Eagles beat the Redskins and the Vikings beat the Bears, the Eagles would sneak into the playoffs as well. Interesting since they're the Super Bowl champion, but they've had kind of a an interesting year. They had a lot of injuries, especially to their quarterback, and their secondary is awful. But uh, how do you feel? Yeah, so. How do you feel about real real quick? How do you feel about? Uh, I mean, I think I I partially agree with the decision to to start Wentz. Um, at the beginning of this year, obviously he was your guy, but Foles brings him too, and, and you know they win a, a Super Bowl with Foles, and he's still coming off the bench, and now he's taking the reins once again. I mean, how do you what? I mean, what what comes of this? Well, I mean Carson Wentz is, is head and shoulders a better quarterback than Nick Foles. I mean last year they went like eleven and two with Carson Wentz. Yeah. So, uh, I like Carson Wentz a lot. I personally think that he is going to be a, a, like just not that I know everything. I'm not saying it's definite, definite, but I think he's just going to succumb to his injuries. I think he's 
he's already at his young life had a torn ACL and and he now with the back stuff. I think it's. I mean, not everyone bounces back from that kind of stuff. And, you know, it took, it took it took Andrew Luck a while to to come back from that, and he's starting to look like him, his old self again. But I don't know. I mean, I, I Nick Foles is is probably one of the better if not the best backup quarterback in the NFL. So I agree with that, but um, it's uh it is, isn't it? It is how, how must Carson Wentz feel that, you know, he pretty much brought that team, you know, to the level that they were last year, but then they go and win the Super Bowl with uh, Nick Foles as the back, as the backup, you know, starting, uh, you know, how, I, I don't know how you even process that as someone who is and I and I agree is head and shoulders a better than uh, better than Foles, uh, but I don't, do you think that messed with him mentally, being it having to sit out and not uh, really enjoy the fruits of you know the labor that he created as far as getting that team to where they were uh, in the position that they were to to yeah, get I mean, to I'm that sure, point. I'm sure it killed him to not to not play. I would um, rather my if I was injured, I would rather my team lose and not win the Super Bowl than win it without me. You would? Oh, yeah. I would. That would pain me. I don't know. That's not how I would be, and I'm pretty sure that's not how. how I wish you played for the Eagles last year then. (laughs) That's so messed up. That's how, like, selfish you are? Seriously, you would wish that your team lost just because you weren't in the game? I I mean, that's why I'm not a – I'm not an NFL team. I mean, I mean, there's a long reason, a long list of reasons why I'm not in the NFL. But I, no, I mean, hey, if that's like what you're into, I don't know. Carson seems like a good, like a like a real team player. So I mean, I, I think he was happy, and I think he wanted to come out and win another one with him this year. But uh, is that really an odd stance to have? You yes, think? I don't know if I've ever heard anybody. <laughs> I don't think anybody would have ever said that ever. But uh, what can you do? All right. Well, moving. <laughs> well, there's a reason I don't play on any uh, sports. No, I'm just saying. Like, I don't think I've ever heard anybody like, "Yeah, I hope my team loses since I'm not out there." Well, you got to know. Some people definitely think about that. Like, I mean, maybe they think about it, but nobody's saying it. And that's what we do here on Babbleheads. We say why, what's on our minds. That's why Jesse is Jesse because he'll say stuff. That's what he says. So. So uh, before we dive into the Mount Rushmore, I did just want to make a note um, on the NBA real quick on uh, what a rookie season that Luka Doncic uh, of the Dallas Mavericks is having. The kid's putting up numbers. He's hitting fadeaway Kobe uh, jump shots, uh, you know, mid-range. Like he's just, uh, you know, he just had a career high, 36 points the other night. Uh, He's really having a... A hell of a season, Eric. Have you had a chance to to watch any of his gameplay at all? Yeah, I mean, I've seen obviously I've seen plenty of highlights. I've only really watched like a couple. Like, I haven't. I don't think I've watched a full Mavericks game, but I've definitely seen some of his games. I mean, he's definitely a stud. Um, and uh, you know, you never know what you're going to get with some of these European players. So, uh, I think yeah, he's been great, and he seems like he's going to be a good pro. He seems like a good person too, and I like that the most. So. But my question to you is, speaking of Luca and whoever, like who's going to be the rookie of the year? You think it's going to be him, or because I know there's some pretty good rookies this year. So there really is. It's it it, it is a a very uh, plentiful uh, season for rookies, and uh, and I know Trey Young's been in talks and uh, Aiton and and everything. But I mean, 
Luca is just really he's putting on a show and the kids really just and it's so funny because uh you know some of the uh some of the gripes that people had had for him at the at the you know pre-draft where you know he doesn't have hops like he doesn't there's no speed to him and he's proving these guys wrong and he's freaking he's out there breaking ankles and He's making guys look foolish and he's getting heavily contested and still and sink just sinking shots and I mean yeah, I like No, keep going, I'm sorry. He's uh he's the runaway. For for me, he's the runaway. I don't think anybody else is is really uh getting anywhere close to to what he's doing right now. And, and as someone who is uh you know, I'm a Nets fan, but I have uh, I'm a diehard Dirk fan as well and I and I love uh I love what the Mavericks organization has kind of been doing the last uh uh, you know, since uh, since Dirk came into the league, it, it it's kind of the whole team's fascinated me, and I've always kind of followed them. And I was a big Jason Kidd fan, obviously, because he played with the the Nets for yeah, so many years. And... I pretty much see you as a Mavericks fan, so <laughs> I know I'm a Nets fan because I that's I've just been a Nets fan, uh, you know, since after the the Jordan era because I feel like you know being so young. You know, uh, nine, ten years old during uh, you know the Jordan era and the ninety six, ninety seven. You know, once Jordan retired, I feel like everyone was a, a Bulls fan. There was no getting around it. It's just the way of the world, at least in the nineties when you're that young. Um, but after that, uh, you know, I was a a Keith, Keith Van Horn fan, Kerry Kittles, and and Kendall Gill, and I was uh, all in on the the Nets after after that, pretty much. But uh, but yeah, I've uh, just been. Uh, a, a supporter and definitely a follower of uh, Mavericks basketball as well. So, but yeah, um, yeah, Luka Doncic. Uh, I really do think he's going to be the rookie of the year. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I don't know. I don't like. I'm not as well versed in the NBA as that as as you probably. But uh, I mean, I know Luka was a name for the for a rookie, and then Trey Young gets a lot of hype and definitely. And so- yeah, but yeah, it's definitely been fun to see Luca play, and I think he's going to be good for that organization. So, I did see uh, other NBA news that LeBron is out. Is he still out? Right, he had like some sort of groin injury. Yeah, I actually was watching uh, watching that game last week, uh, and yeah, he. Uh, I mean, that was against uh, that was against the uh, the Warriors Christmas Day, and uh, I think they were up by like eleven, and at one point they were up by like eighteen or something before he went out, and he went out at the middle of the third, and the Lakers ended up uh, still blowing out the uh, blowing out the Warriors without LeBron. I saw him go out with the groin injury, uh, nothing pulled or anything, just strained, and uh, he's listed day to day, and I think he should be back probably within the next uh, few weeks. I'm gonna guess, uh, I, maybe even as soon as like. Uh, middle of next week or something but i mean is a guy that played every single game all 82 games last year so he, he may be due for some rest well needed rest anyway so uh if he was smart and i think uh and i think he is and other people are as well as much as he wants to be out there playing with his team uh definitely good for him to get a little bit of rest especially uh obviously with this groin injury but get a little bit of extra rest and then uh get a good little sprint hopefully uh string a, a bunch of wins before the all-star break and then uh and then yeah but yeah he probably uh middle middle of next week uh to uh end of next week uh is at least what uh you know reports are saying gotcha yeah i figured i think i saw the it wasn't supposed to be out too long so that's good um standings wise everything is shaken up pretty much like 
kind of how I thought, like, except for the East Coast, I, I, I just wanted to touch on uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, how they're in the number one in the East right now. On, <laughs> like, there's no way anybody expected that. I mean, maybe they, you know, obviously they're going to make the playoffs, but no one probably expected them to be number one in the East. No, we all knew Giannis was a was a stud, but we, I mean, I don't think anybody was really expecting them to come out so uh, so uh, vigilant and uh, aggressive as they have. And I mean, honestly, right now, uh, Giannis is uh, Giannis is making a great case for MVP right now as well. Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, that's there's a guy right there. I mean, looking at the future, I mean, he's just uh, he's a stud. He's, he's cutthroat, man. man. He's got that Kobe gene, it, it, so it seems, you know. Yeah, when they call him the Greek freak, I mean, freak is definitely the word that comes to mind. I mean, he's so, so big and athletic, and then he, he's put on, like, I was reading, I think I maybe actually had saw it on, on ESPN that he put on, like, something like 40 pounds of muscle, which yeah. is insane, but, I mean, he looks like it. Good for the Bucks yeah. organization, man. Good for the Bucks organization. No, 100%. I mean, I, th- I like to see a team like that. Um you know, thrive and, and do great things. And I know they have a new, uh, I'm pretty sure they just got a new arena. This is like yeah. the first year that arena, I think. Yep. So that's great for them. Like I said, I've been following the Sixers and, and they're, you know, they're top five in the East right now. So Celtics at six, I think something like that. I saw. So and I, I think, uh, I think Denver, uh, on the West coast, Denver's uh second seed, yeah, I believe. I, I, well, at least unless anything's changed today, I'm pretty sure. Cause I looked yesterday, pretty sure Denver's still number one. And, Oklahoma City and then Golden State, I think, and then. Um, I thought uh, OKC took uh, took the number one slot. Maybe I'm wrong. I can check right now, actually. Uh, uh but yeah, Denver coming out and really making a yeah, showcase I, too. I, I mean, what a what a what what a great thing for for that organization as well, especially after kind of just been on uh, you know rocky terrain since uh, seven or eight years, honestly. Yeah, no, I think I agree there. You know they had some good runs with Melo. They had some good teams with Melo there, and uh, they've they have a good at, they have a really good squad too. But yeah, I just checked. Actually, Denver is number one still, and uh, they're twenty two and eleven. Damn, good and, for them. But uh, it's funny because uh, Golden State actually has the most wins in the West, but they have the most they have more losses. So, um, so they're twenty three and thirteen. But I also wanted to say that. I guess I knew that Cleveland was doing bad, but I didn't know. There's three teams right now in the NBA who only have one-digit yep. win. The Knicks have nine wins, and then the Cavaliers and the Suns – oh, no, the Cav- and the Suns have nine wins. The Cavaliers have eight wins. That's it. They are eight and 29. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if nothing else speaks to the level of uh, LeBron James, I mean, right there. Yeah, I mean, well, plus, yeah, I mean, what else is different about their squad right now? It wasn't, like, Love out for a long time, right? Like, or is he even still out? Yeah, it's pretty much, it was, yeah, I mean, I think uh, Love is still out, but, I mean, <laughs> it really was. I've seen, uh, you know, joking uh, memes or, or whatever the kids call them. Uh, uh, you know, LeBron brought four plumbers to the finals last year. I think that's <laughs> a, a fair assessment. I mean, to go from the finals to eight wins right now is i mean that's pretty crazy so but hey it's cleveland nobody really wants to be there so that's true uh but yeah uh let's get to our uh our main topic today which is 
Uh, Mount Rushmore of we're wrestling. Gonna run we're going to run the ropes. And uh, here we are. It's Sean's Mount Rushmore, and we are going to grill him and ask many questions as to why these people. Because Sean, gonna... Sean's usually our, for wrestling especially, we love giving Sean the, the battering ram treatment. We're gonna. Try, we're not gonna do your grill. We're gonna try a broil. Yes. Okay. I can't wait to hear it, Sean. So uh, you don't have to go in any sort of order. You just kind of tell us. You know, you're gonna start with one and explain it to us, and then uh, go from there. But before that, let's let's refresh our uh, Mount Rushmores just so Sean knows what we had on our Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Okay. There you go. So uh, my Mount Rushmore was Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, Rowdy Rowdy Piper. And Macho Man Randy Savage. And mine was Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, Bret Hart, and the man, the myth, the legend, Eddie Guerrero. Viva la raza. <laughs> Sean, now, if you if uh, if we could have asked you to guess our, our Mount Rushmore's, do you think you would have got them? Well, earlier when uh, Justin and I were talking about yours, I guessed Undertaker for yours, but I was wrong. Yeah, he was uh, He was shocked that Taker was not in your Mount Rushmore. Gotcha, gotcha. I can understand that. I do love Taker. Um, I don't know. I kind of thought Taker was... I don't know. I don't know. When I thought about, the, when I thought about my Mount Rushmore... He almost made it, but the American badass Taker uh, knocked him out of contention. Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's actually my I, but, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to say anything took it away from him. I don't know, just like... I guess when I got my initial reactions, like he wasn't on there. He's definitely one of my favorite wrestlers, and I love him, and I, I think he's great. But yeah. there can only be four. Do, do you think you could have guessed any of the other ones, Sean? You tell. Bret Hart was definitely another one up there. I don't know why you wouldn't think Eddie. You know I'm obsessed. I know. All right. Now we gotta hear yours. So one by one, no order. Okay. And yeah, if you could give a slight explanation as to why they made your Mount Rushmore. Uh, be it, you know, something that they influenced or certain matches that you think are historically legendary to put them in your Mount Rushmore. Sean, let's hear your first entry on your Mount Rushmore of wrestling. All right, starting off with Macho Man Randy Savage. Macho Man, I like it. Now, why does Macho Man make your... Let's see. Extremely memorable uh, promos. The greatest promos in probably all of wrestling ever. Yes. I think we could probably, which I think Eric and I uh, agreed upon as well. Yeah, I mean, I think he's, I think when you think of, like, especially that era of, well, I'll call it, like, the golden age of wrestling in my eyes. I mean, he's pretty much, yeah, I mean, he was the promo guy, without a doubt, so. Uh, you know, memorable feuds with Flair, Hogan, over Miss Elizabeth. Of course. And then, uh. You know, just that charisma. The greatest, the greatest match being, in my opinion, is match with Ricky the Dragon Steamo in WrestleMania 3. So he keeps coming back for like these really pointless Mania matches. Now, what's your favorite? Is the American Badass Undertaker really your favorite incarnation of the Undertaker character? It's, it's definitely up there. Like, I, I just, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. That was see, people loved it, but I did not like any of that. I don't know. I just didn't. I, I don't know. I just was not a fan. 
But it's funny how many people would say that. Like, I actually, a guy I worked with recently, um, that he was, his Undertaker was his favorite wrestler, and uh, and that was his favorite era, was the American Badass stuff, so. Oh, big evil. I mean, uh, <laughs> I do think, uh, you know, it's such an interesting character because he, he's done so much with it while still maintaining that, you know, kind of dark uh, allure of the character. Um. But yeah, I mean, there's no denying that he's uh, one of the greatest big men of all time. Uh, he's done insane uh, things in his career, uh, kind of reinvented himself uh, while still sticking to the... Undertaker almost reminds me of uh, Slayer, if I had to re- relate him to like a band. Sonically, it's the same thing. His character is dished up the same thing. Slight variances... Some stuff that you're like, wow, that definitely doesn't, you know, the American badass uh, Undertaker obviously is like uh, Slayer's Diabolus and Musica, if you're familiar <laughs> familiar with that. It's still Undertaker, but it's not, you know, Rain and Blood Undertaker. <laughs> if if anybody follows me, if any, if there's any Slayer I, fans out there, oh, I could not agree more. Honestly, I mean, you kind of nailed it. It's so true, but. I don't know. I mean, like I said, Undertaker is amazing, and, he, and he's still—I mean, he's still super athletic for his age, and they, and they kind of bring him around. To, you know, I, I don't think—I think some of the stuff that people think that maybe the writers like are like that they did to him, like having him lose. I think he wanted to do that stuff. I just think kind of maybe the way they went around it, or went about it, was wrong. I think they. He should have lost a long time ago because he wanted to lose a long time ago, like with the WrestleMania streak. But then they waited too long, and then just losing to people he shouldn't be losing to. Yeah, he shouldn't have lost. Shouldn't have lost to Brock, but we all know that Vince will do anything he can to keep Brock happy. So, well, I remember he wanted to lose to uh, Randy Orton at WrestleMania 21. Yeah, that's what I mean. And like, that would have been perfect because he had that whole Legend Killer gimmick. And I think I think the ending the streak did do a little bit something for Brock, but imagine what it would have done for Randy Orton. I feel like it w- really would have maybe uh, escorted Orton to that you know upper echelon level that he's still kind of uh, hasn't really gotten to. He's kind of like almost uh, a secondary, you know, top guy. I don't know. Not to get off on an Orton tangent, but I, I agree with you. I think Orton, like, man, he's been around for so long and he's done so much and he's been on the top and he's been, like, kind of hanging around in the middle. But I, I don't know, like, he's great. I mean, if you think about it, he's kind of underrated these days if you think about definitely, it. Definitely. He definitely is. The guy, like, his gimmick has always been, like, solid. He's not, like, amazing, amazing on the mic, but he's, like, definitely, like, he's above average. And I don't know, like, he's just kind of... But I think sometimes, especially with the WWE, sometimes they do it to these guys. Like, they just, with, like, the writing or... They kind of make guys become irrelevant, if if, if you know what I'm talking about. Like, look at all these guys that get so hyped and people are so excited, especially in the past couple years, like, these guys who come through NXT and then they get to the main roster... And then they're just kind of non-existent because they're written in ways that you, if you watch on a regular basis, you're like, all right, like I don't even care at this point. It's oversaturation too. Cause I got so many different guys and so many different, every couple weeks they're, they're trying to push someone new. So as soon as you see 
you know, uh, Nakamura in a, in an angle with, uh, an AJ Styles and stuff, someone's already writing something else like, okay, well, Nakamura is actually going to go at it for the U S title and he's going to be the new U S guy. And, and like out of nowhere, like, okay, you know, he was vying for the world title and now he's dropped down to the U S title. And I, what I think is the most detrimental thing, especially in WWE is putting the title on these guys, like putting the world title on, say no don't get me wrong I think the Miz has done amazing things with the IC title and really brought that title into relevancy as much as you possibly can in 2018 but you know putting the world title on a Ziggler or the Miz and then having them be at the top and then put them back down in the mid card I feel like there's not uh, a differentiation between the mid card and the upper now where anybody can fluctuate into any spot now I mean, we've seen it with Cena, like, go down and be the U.S. champion after he's been world champion. And I think that takes away the prestigiousness of titles when you do that. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I'm, I mean, I kind of, not to, like, no disrespect to it, but I, I kind of disagree about the Miz thing. I think having one person like that hang on to the belt for that long kind of made it irrelevant in my eyes. But that's just me. Um, but you're right, like, you take these guys and you, and, you, and you boost them to the top, and then you're like, and then all of a sudden nothing changes. And it, it's almost like Finn Balor. Like, remember when Finn first came up and he wins the title, he gets hurt. Then he came back, and for how long was he just like, you're just like, okay, it's Finn. Like, who cares? You exactly. Oh, I, mean? like, I felt. But I loved, like, I love him. I think he's a great wrestler, a solid gimmick. Like, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of what they do. And it's just unfortunate, I feel like. It really is. So, what are we at, Sean? We got Macho Man and Undertaker. Who is your third third entry on the third entry? Old Steve Austin. Steve Austin. Nice. That's another one that I actually thought that I, we did like. A, we had debate. We had talked about honorable mentions as well. Yeah, we'll do. We'll do I, your. I, honorable I do mentions. have honorable mentions on my phone. Perfect. So. He made. He made. We. He made both of our honorable honorable mentions, but I'll let you speak about them, obviously. Like Steve Austin. Not that great of a wrestler, but but now I'm on the microphone, and like when he was in the ring, though, you're like, holy shit, like. Well, he, uh, you know, what's funny is uh, Austin in his earlier days, before he had kind of had the knee injuries, and and honestly, what really you know ended his career prematurely was that neck injury from Owen. But uh, you know, back in his Hollywood Blonde days, him and Pillman had great matches. They were great technicians in the ring. Uh, Steve Austin had great matches in WCW, but by the time he had gotten to WWE, I think he wasn't really able to showcase that, especially with the ring ringmaster gimmick. And then, uh, you know, as soon as he starts get, he did switch to like a brawler, more brawler style, which he obviously had to, but after that neck injury, you weren't really seeing anything crazy, but he had that pure brawler style that made him so fun and it matched the redneck unhinged like character as well that married so well with the character and he was uh, you know talk about a guy that revitalized the 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 wwf he, he i don't care what anybody says you could talk dx you could talk this there's two guys that made wwe in 1998 become you know finally get over the hump and beat wcw was two guys, Steve Austin and Vince McMahon. No other feud was bigger, and no other feud, I think, has still not surpassed what the feud between those two 
was in that era. And, you know, Steve Austin versus Vince McMahon, in my eyes, is the greatest wrestling feud of all time. I mean, that, yeah, that's a bold statement. But, I, I mean, I think you're right about I mean, that. I mean, I think they're... I think Steve Austin was so hot, like, just, um, he was so big, like we talked about, you could go into convenience stores and you're seeing Austin 316 shit, like, uh, you know, the nice and easy in Canastota, I mean, he, he connected with, I think he connected with people and made people interested in wrestling who weren't interested before, you know what I mean, like, exactly like all these like redneck type dudes or like i just think that's what like he he was like a, a different hogan like he brought it to another level like obviously like the his merchandising was was insane because i think a lot of people connected with him that he was just kind of like a regular like brute like tough redneck dude who like didn't didn't care and i think that connected with a lot of people um like sean said obviously not the greatest technician always but like you can't, I mean, at this point, like, professional wrestling, like, there's a wide array of people. Some people were and some people weren't. Like, Hulk Hogan's not out there, you know, doing all this crazy stuff. He's not doing couple, an acai moonsault. <laughs> yeah, a couple a couple punches, a leg drop, you know, uh, listening to the crowd, another leg drop, and it's over. I mean, he's not like, uh, so, but yeah, I mean, Steve Austin, like I said, I think that you can, that Attitude Era uh, you know, was huge, and he's definitely, in my eyes, and then, like you said, and I know both years, and Sean just mentioned it, but, like, the pillar. And then, obviously, you know, they had a lot of bigger characters at that time, too. Like, The Rock, obviously, who's now, like, a megastar. Um, but he helped. But, yeah, I mean, I think Austin was that guy, though. Oh, absolutely. And there's uh, there's just no denying what he did. And uh, what is uh, what's some most memorable Steve Austin moments for you, Sean, that that when someone says, well, here's the question. Okay. When someone says wrestling to you, who are the, what's the first image that comes to your mind? First image? Yeah. Like when someone says professional wrestling to you, is there a, is there a, someone you think of and don't reveal your first entry if it's no. okay. Uh, two people I always think of is always Hulk Hogan and is always Austin. Yeah. Because, you know, those guys were actually, like, you know, the staple of wrestling. Like, in the 80s, you had Hogan. 90s, you have Steve Austin. Modern era, you have Cena. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so what is... I just is... want to point out that Sean loves Cena because he loves his Bumblebee movie. He Dude, loves Bumblebee. Bumblebee. John Cena, fantastic in that film. Can't act, but fantastic. But we'll talk about that film some other time. Yeah, sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Steve Austin, so, uh, who is your, uh... Last final pick, Brock Lesnar. No I'm way. I'm kidding. Oh, okay. Nick Foley. I was about to hang up. <laughs> Wait, what'd you say, Mick Foley? Yeah. Yeah, I knew it. I knew it was coming. Oh, I really didn't expect that. Wow. No Hogan or Flair in your Mount Rushmore. No. These are the faces of wrestling. And you got fucking Mick Foley. What's wrong with Foley? No, don't judge. We're not judging here. This is who he feels like he wants in there, so I like it. Mick Foley, go. I want to hear all... Talk a little bit about Mick since we've met him twice. Yes, let's go. Mick, talk. Think about it. You know, I got the Hell in a Cell matches. You know, I got fucking the Japanese death matches. Like, the three faces of Foley. Come on. But what has he done for the business? 
who I definitely helped out with that goddamn Hell in a Cell match. People still talk about that. Yeah, but if that match didn't happen, the Attitude Era would still exist. So? I Listen, I respect that you put him in there. But I have a hard time. Like, these are the four faces that... Well, like, listen, I'm fucking... I'm full on board for Mach. I'm full on board for Austin. Who else was in this? Taker. Taker. I can I can buy all those. But Foley, I don't know. I ain't Sean. I'm with you. I mean, you pick who you... I picked Eddie G on mine. I think there's a lot of people who wouldn't pick Eddie G. So, you know... I had to challenge. I had to challenge <laughs> something. Uh, I listen. I personally, you know, I, I think like when you think of the three of us, like uh, as we all know each other since we're all such good friends. I mean, when I think of Jesse and I think of his favorite wrestler, I could be wrong about this, but I think it's Macho Man Randy Savage. It is. When I think of Sean, and I think of his favorite wrestler, it's I mean, Dolph I Ziggler. Think, I fucking hate Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> I th- it's Baron Corbin. Uh, the best thing that, <laughs> sorry to cut you off. The best thing that it's ever Bailey. Happened, the best thing that ever happened to Ziggler recently was him teaming up with fucking Drew McIntyre. Yeah, and now that's over. And now it's over. There goes the and modern that, day HBK Diesel tag team. As I wanted to just say again, and when you think of Sean, if I think of what his favorite wrestler is, it's Mick Foley. When you think of me and you think of my favorite wrestler, it's Eddie Guerrero. Like it's just. I think it's cool. I mean, you throw him on your on your Mount Rushmore. I think I'm sure Mick would be pumped to hear that. Just don't ask him about Tasha making Michinoko. All right? <laughs> yeah, he could have been WWE champion. Okay. You had said that you had loved Taka Michinoku. Dude, I'm not gonna lie. I was watching New Japan the other day, and when he came out, I fucking marked out. Taka's a man. Taka is the man. Love yeah. uh, Kai and Tai. Come on. <laughs> The best Kai and Tai ever was when they were going to cut off friggin' Vail Venus's Johnson. Remember that? Yes. Oh, yeah. Choppy, choppy your pee-pee. Because he was fucking around with uh, Sonny Ono's wife or something like that, right? No, or wait, not? no. Yeah, he was trying <laughs> yeah. to get after, like, uh, I don't even know. I don't remember that fucking feeling. I think she was actually the stripper from, uh, <laughs> I think she was, no, I take it back. She wasn't the stripper, but she was definitely, like, one of the little escorts from the beginning of Kickboxer when Eric the Eliminator Sloan brought her in the hotel. I just want to uh, pop in real quick here and just talk real quick. The Alabama just defeated um, Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl, so they were, they were going to go out there wow. and face Clemson in the national championship because Clemson beat the living hell out of Notre Dame earlier, 30-3. to So Damn. That, the national championship, once again, will be Alabama and Clemson. Here we like go. The, who who are you taking Alabama Clemson? It's pretty much the NBA now or it's the same goddamn two teams every year, so Who are you taking uh, Alabama I'm, or Clemson? I roll with Alabama always. They're uh Although this game was uh, kind of a blowout at halftime and then uh Oklahoma made it a game, but I'm going to go with Alabama. I think Alabama's just uh, the better team, but we'll see. And then uh, uh if we're talking UFC, uh, the Chris Cyborg Amanda Nunez fight is about to start, and then after that, my boy John Bones Jones taking on Alexander Gustafson. So I can't wait to see what happens with those two. Oh yeah, that's right. right. I love Bones, even though he hits the bones. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, before we close out this, there is something that I've been waiting to talk wrestling with uh, the three of us on a uh, recorded format for a while. So there is something I wanted to 
I wanted to start on, and maybe we'll dive into it in a whole other podcast at some other point, but uh, Eric and I are diehard believers that Brett the Hitman Hart is far better than HBK Shawn Michaels, <laughs> and Sean tends to disagree. Uh, Sean? Sean's sexy boy, that's why. If you would like to, and it, maybe it's because Sean's first name is Sean and his middle name is Michael, maybe that's why. <laughs> um, but Sean, why do you think that in all of the wrestling world, HBK could ever hold a candle to Bret the Hitman Hart. I don't know, just growing up, I just always thought Shawn Michaels was, like, way superior than Bret Hart. In what way? Uh, Attire? Is that it? Yes. Better on the microphone, more charisma. Uh, oh, not, uh, not a better wrestler, though. I don't oh, my know. God. What do you mean you don't know? Okay, I'll give Bret that. Holy He's, shit, I just, wanna, I, gotta, I just gotta stop in here. Uh, I don't know how familiar everyone is with uh, MMA, but Chris Cyborg has been a goddamn beast. Uh, and so is Amanda Nunez. Amanda Nunez just beat the living piss out of her in the first round. It's already over. It's already over. She won by knockout. Knocked her out. Beat the shit out of her. This is, Amanda Nunez is the one who beat the shit out of Ronda Rousey. Yeah, yeah. She literally just makes Chris Cyborg look like I was out there. It was insane. Anyway. <laughs> That's great. I, well, Chris Cyborg. Cyborg looks like a man. She's been juicing for like twenty years, and she <laughs> but she's never lost. And she just got, she just got knocked the fuck out. Anyway, keep going. I'm sorry because I can't wait to make fun of Shawn Michaels. So okay, but I'll give Brett credit. He is a better technician wrestler. He's not better than Owen though. Uh, uh, I mean, I love Owen. So I love Owen too, but I don't. I think Brett was still above Owen in the ring. I don't know, I, I think Owen's better than Brett. Like if I had Well, those... don't turn this into Owen versus Brett. We're talking about what yeah, a listen, piece listen, of trash listen, Shawn Michaels is. Listen, if I had to rank those three, Shawn Michaels, Owen Hart, Brett. That's insane. I just want to say that I don't know what it... Like, I'm, I don't take anything away from Shawn Michaels' like in-ring abilities. Like, I think he... I think, obviously, I mean, if you were to ask 90% of wrestling fans, they would talk about how he's, like, one of the greatest. And he was he's probably on a lot of people's Mount Rushmore's. But I just never, I don't know what it was. I just never liked him at all. I heard, all, I mean, you know, not even just, like, his, his in-ring. Like, I think he, he's good in-ring, I guess. He had a lot of fun matches. But, like, I always hated his gimmick. I hate his music. Stuff like that gets to me. I always heard that he was one of the biggest dickheads outside of the ring. Um, uh, definitely proven because he was beaten up and hospitalized yeah. in Syracuse. I was going to say, I know a, a kid from our high school beat him up back in the day um, because he was being a scumbag at a bar uh, with your boy Scott Hall. So, um, I don't know. I just never liked him, really. And I still think he's kind of a, I don't know. I just never really cared. And then, like, when I was younger, I thought DX was kind of cool. But now that I, like, see the DX stuff as an older guy, I'm like, these guys... We're so stupid. <laughs> mostly, mostly Triple H and and, uh, and and Shawn Michaels, but uh, I don't know what it is. Like uh, Triple H, uh, I obviously have respect for. I think more more of the most of the respect I have for Triple H is, is for his, outside the ring, outside the ring stuff, the stuff he's doing now. Um, I was never like a huge Triple H uh, fan, like in the ring, or uh, I don't think he's bad by any means. I just was never a huge fan. But I don't know. I just. When it comes to Sean and Brett, I just always was a Brett guy, and and I think that 
obviously you got to have the entertainment side of, of wrestling entertainment or sports entertainment, but uh, I don't know. Just never was a big Michaels fan. Obviously his like feuds with The Undertaker was really cool, and the whole like light versus dark match was like really epic. And His match with and, uh, it, Chris Jericho was really good. Yeah, his Jericho match. Yeah, that was cool. a great like, feud. Obviously like his, his Brett matches are, are great, and I don't know. But yeah, I think I do I, think I, Shawn Michaels is uh, one of the most charismatic wrestlers of all time. But uh, if there was ever a debate, if there's ever a debate, HBK versus Brett, I'm taking Brett all the way because, I mean, to the contrary, Brett was uh, you know one of the you know lived his hero gimmick more than the rest and was went out of his way to be an honest and good guy whenever he could, whereas in Shawn Michaels, you kind of heard all that stuff. So I think a lot of that does play into our distaste, and I'm sure other people's distaste for someone like uh, Shawn Michaels, who obviously is, uh, you know, is spectacular in his own right in the ring, uh, but outside, I mean, I mean that, that does weigh in on uh, his, you know, because that, that, that part of his personality does shine through at some points, you know? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think if you were to ask, like, like I said, if you were to ask... 90% of wrestling fans from our era or a little before us too, I think probably most of them would say that they, if they had to pick between Brett or Sean, probably the majority of them would pick Sean. So definitely. I mean, he's Un- unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah. Honorable mention, Sean. All right, here we go. Honorable mentions, Ric Flair. Okay. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. Piper. 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 Okay. Shawn Michaels. Okay, well, yeah, we just yeah. discussed it. Uh, you know, my boy, Star Bomb B, John Cena. Yeah, I mean, uh, you got to give it to Johnny. Obviously, he's been the face of the the company for a long time. Then you got The Rock, and you got Hogan. Jesus, what, 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 <laughs> what was that? Are you going to name every wrestler in history? Listen, it, it was really hard for me to pick. What about King Kong Bundy? <laughs> Never a fan, but... What about Akeem the African Dream? Akeem, I'm surprised that you didn't say Braun Strowman because you love everything about Braun Strowman. You think he's the greatest wrestler ever. He's going to be a phenomenal big guy monster in the future. When? He's been in the company like six years. He's awful. I hope they fire him tomorrow. Please fire him. If I was going to... If I was at the top of the food chain, if I was Vince right now and someone said, we got to cut someone, first words out of my mouth besides Baron Corbin would be... Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, would, that's the problem with you. You think Finn's bad, but you want to keep Braun? Oh, my God. Finn's been boring the shit on me. Literally. I will say this. Listen, Braun is not very good at all in the ring, but on the mic, he may be one of the worst of all time on the mic. But, yeah, he wins the crowd over. Yeah, oh, because the crowd are like, fickle. 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 <laughs> oh, my God, Sean. I want to fight you right now. I wish I could. <laughs> I'm all saying. He sucks, and you know what? He he turns me into like a little girl on the internet because every time I see WWE post about him, I gotta fucking make a comment. Like they posted like most wins on Raw or something the other day, and it was like all these great people, and then Braun Strowman. I'm like, one of these people does not deserve to be on this list. He sucks. <laughs> oh my god, it pisses me off. Just saying. <laughs> Wrestling fans love dumb shit. If they're able to win them over... Uh, WWE fans love dumb shit, that's for sure. Well, look at Get these hand chants work. Fucking the stupid yes chants work. 
That ru- that's what ruined Daniel Bryan for me. Once he the, the yes stuff started, I hated it. But now he's a crazy Kirkopane vegan heel. I like him right now. This is the best. I thing know ever. this is literally he's redeemed himself in my eyes. Yeah, the best thing he's done in years. I mean, he used to be great. I used to like love him, but uh, the yes movement. And then once you get with the Bella, you just go down. And my book is they're awful people. He, he's a like second rate Chris Benoit. Like that's what I hate. Like the Bellas and people like that. They're not wrestlers. They're just there for like the the entertainment aspects. That's why I kind of hate the Miz and the stupid television show. Just keep that shit. <laughs> Miz and Miz is fantastic. Yeah. Watch the whole first season. You pr- you did, and that's what's sad. That's what I mean. It sucked. <laughs> it was a good laugh. Well, on that note, we have been the Babbleheads podcast. Real you- quick, real quick, I just want to throw one more thing out there. I'm going to say Alabama's going to win the national championship, and. Uh, and my Super Bowl prediction still stands that the Saints are going to the Super Bowl and they're going to play the Ravens. Listen to that one. Saints are going to play the Ravens in the Super Bowl. Wow. So, uh, so Sean, do you know what my Super Bowl pick was? What was it? Who do you think it was? The Bills. No, it's the Patriots. You think they're going to make it to the Super Bowl? I uh, hope they don't. You, you, hope, you hope your team doesn't make it to the Super Bowl. I'm so sick of disappointment. Oh my God! Shut up! Disappointment. You have five Super Bowls. You got to have front runner, motherfucker. Super Bowl Forty Two always haunts me. <laughs> like what if? Yeah, you have two losses to Eli Manning, and on that note. Yeah, Eli Manning and fucking Nick Foles. Yeah. How am I supposed to lose myself? You know that that made me mad. The whole Philly special thing. I'm like, teams did that all year, but then they they're trying to say that Philly came up with that. So stupid. Anyway, all right. We can it. You can find us on Instagram, Instagram, Instagram at Babbleheads Podcast, on uh, Twitter at Babbleheads Podcast, and uh, you can listen on iTunes, SoundCloud. No, not not SoundCloud. Sorry, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, you can find this. Please spread the word and let us know you're listening. And uh, we will see you uh, next time on the Babbleheads podcast. Go Pats. Happy New Year.